It's 2020, and it's hard to miss that it's election year over in the States. With COVID and BLM, the political atmosphere is almost a breaking point. Although tensions always rise in the final year of the election cycle, we have not seen something quite like this. With Trump the incumbent, is challenger Biden doing enough to push his alternative case? At present, it seems as though his argument is, I'm not Trump, thus vote for me. One of our writers for POI, Daniel Orchard, finds this argument to ring somewhat hollow, perhaps even gifting the race to Trump. Is the distinct lack of policy a good move, giving the Republicans something to fight against, or is it short-sighted and naive, perhaps missing out on a golden opportunity to set a new agenda? Furthermore, how would the next four years differ under a Biden as opposed to Trump? I'm your host, Alexander Dennis, and welcome to POI Podcasts. So this week, I am joined by Max Anderson of the Liberal team, Fletcher Kipps of the Conservatives, and Abby Clargo of Labour. Abby, if this was a Labour source article, the first question is to you. First being, will simply being anti-Trump be enough for the Democrats and Biden? Um, in short, I'm not sure, to be completely honest. Do I think it's the best way forward probably not but i do i do get where they're coming from the republicans are running a very pro-trump centered campaign so i see why the democrats are retaliating with this anti-trump campaign and politics now has been become increasingly personalized we see it in the uk with i guess jeremy corbyn and boris in last year's election we see it all over the world so i i do think people focus on the leader so I see why they're doing it. I think maybe there's a better way forward. Maybe they should have focused on some more meaningful policy, as Daniel said in his article. But I get where they're coming from. Okay, and I'm sure we'll touch on those meaningful policies later. But just for now, Fletcher, do you think that Biden will do enough this, this time around? So I, I worry that Biden won't do enough, but I'm not surprised by the way they've gone about it. Like Abby said, we've seen it in the UK, we see it in the US, we see it all over the world. Two-party systems create uh, an election campaign which is just filled with anger between both one party and another, just blaming the other person or just trying to prove that they are better than the other person. And so I'm not surprised that Biden's doing this. I fear that he won't have done enough. Um, I think having Camilla Harris on his team is going to boost this, but I do fear that, that it won't be enough to beat Trump. Okay, and Max, how do you think? I think, first of all, it's interesting that Fletch is already talking about that first-past-the-post system. I feel this is where we're going to end up by the end. Um, personally, I think it's actually it's the best that he could do, in, in my thought. You know, look, there's two sides to this. First of all, you think, what, what does Trump do? He attacks. He attacks a policy, a number of policies, and just rams that home. You compare this to what Biden... Biden's virtually got nothing that can be attacked. It's all quite dull. So, I mean... You're, you're almost like Trump can't, you know, oh, you know, Trump can't just pin out a policy that he thinks is really stupid. You can't attack Biden because there's nothing there, which almost takes away Trump's power in a sense. So I, I quite almost like that. But on the flip side as well, I think it's really important for the Democrats that they don't. That you look at Markey versus uh, Kennedy uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, an incredibly tense Democratic primary for the Senate seat. It got quite ugly, and it really showed the differences between new and old Democrat. Now, 
Biden didn't pick, go for anyone there. He didn't back anyone. But the reason why, and the reason why he wants to stay out of making so many policies is he wants to stop this anger within Democratic voters. He starts making policies that annoy the new Democrats coming through, like Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. He might lose their support. He needs the whole Democrat party with him, not just half of it. Mm. I mean, yeah, let's just uh, let's carry on with that. Do you think the Democrats missed a trick by appointing Biden to their ticket? You know, perhaps you know a Harris-led ticket or Ocasio-Cortez-led ticket. Do you think they would have been better than perhaps you know a seventy-seven-year-old uh, man? Uh, I think he was the obvious choice, um, given his history with Obama. People knew him. People knew his name, and he has that sort of positive association and. That's what people need to get Trump out, essentially. I do think AOC would be a brilliant choice for president, but I don't think it's her time just yet. Although I do say in that, I do think that Biden should maybe take a leaf out of her butt because she is she does stand for something and people like that she stands for something. You know, she's definitely not quiet about supporting Medicare and um, the abolition of ICE or like those really important issues that Americans talk about every day. And I think maybe Biden needs to look to politicians like her and maybe take a leaf out of her book and just stand for something other than being anti-Trump. Because I think a lot of people are anti-Trump, but it doesn't make him different. Can I, can I come in there, actually, Abby? I, I get a lot of what you're saying and I completely agree with it. But here's the problem. You look at Ocasio-Cortez and you look at the district that she's running for, you know, a lot of her voters will support this. Biden is not going for those voters. He's going for these swing states where, you know, people like Ocasio-Cortez actually worries them. So you start coming in with some of her policies in these swing states. Well, they're just going to run because, you know, they're afraid of her effectively. They're afraid of change. You know, just the word socialist in America makes people quiver, which is, you know, horrible and stupid. But, you know, you you look at these swing states there. They are so worried about this new form of politics that's coming through so almost having a bit of bland a little bit of you know just a, a normal like simple meal for them to digest at this voter election is actually quite nice i think the blandness will actually be quite you know that bland old style politics might be really attractive to some of these people more than you know really scary new policies that they might either don't understand or it's too new for them. Maybe 10, 20 years down the time, yeah, uh, you know, maybe two or three elections from now, presidential elections, be the right time to go with it. But I think, as we all agree, the most important thing is that Trump loses. And if you start coming out with policies that might scare away the middle ground in these crucial swing states, you know, I, I think that's too big a risk, wouldn't you say? I... I definitely see where you're coming from maybe um maybe the america isn't ready for these policies just yet which I, is why i say it isn't aoc's time i think you know, give her a few years she'll be in a much better position for presidency but i also think this kind of goes back to what fletcher was saying earlier maybe it's an issue with the whole political system in america you know the fact that biden and the democrats have to play this easy safe game is that an issue in itself is this just then trying to fit in with this political and electoral system because the way they might want to play it and they might want to focus on policies that's not going to go well with the American people because this has become such a two-party system and it's so personalised that it wouldn't work. And I think maybe the issue is a lot deeper than what the Democrats and the Republicans are doing on the face of it. 
thought I would come in there and sort of, I know Max's point about bland, maybe that's a good thing, but I don't think it is. I do think Biden is maybe the best choice of what they had in the end, but I don't think he's the right choice overall, especially not for this kind of tactic, the tactic of let's paint ourselves anti-Trump, let's say we're better. But is Biden better as a person? You know, we can talk about the amount of accusations that have been put against him. You know, he's 77 years of age and he's going up for president of the United States. And you're looking at eight years, he'll be 85 by the end of that. Is this someone that's really the right person to be leading it forward? I think, sorry, just, I think Fletch in the sense that, I think you're right, but I think what the horrible part is, and I think this is the worst bit that's happened, is since Obama became president, there's been such a backlash and, you know, I, I, I remember my old school teacher saying to me, you know, oh, Trump will win because Americans are so angry at the fact they've had an African-American president. And, you know, Americans in a lot of their culture are afraid of major change. And that's what, you know, Republicans are. They like to keep things the same. They're, they're afraid of that change. And that's why Trump's been so successful, because he says, oh, we're going to make America great again. We're going to go back 20 years where, you know, I'm, Re- I'm Reagan reincarnated. You know, there's safety in that. They feel safe in that old style. And look, he's not, I'm not saying Biden is perfect. I'm not saying he's good at all. I, I don't I think, you know, he's made too many crucial mistakes. You know, fighting with union workers is crazy, you know, uh, and swearing at them is horrible. But. At the same time, it's almost because he is so bland. He is almost an old style politician. You're thinking this has to be this. You know, you have to get a win. I think it is desperate. They beat Trump. I think it is possibly one of the most important elections. But if you go in, let's say, let's say Bernie Sanders had won, Bernie Sanders would be a better candidate. But here's the thing: there's such a risk there because you are trying something completely new in an America that still, I think, actually is trying to get its head around having an African-American president as its leader. I think a lot of people, that doesn't click with them in America. And I think that shows the racism and the horribility that's there, which desperately needs to change. But if you want an election to beat Trump, at least get a Democrat, at least, you know, probably actually going with an old white guy might, horrible to say, but might actually be the best solution here. And he's so bland, it's just, you know, it's a take your medicine type thing. America can kind of all want to take that. I think that's, it's horrible to say, but I really do think it's the best way to go with it. But I, I think you're right. I think this is a really important election. Um, I do think it's one of the most important elections that's, that's happened. But we have to look at the reasons why he won in 2016. He won because a lot of people didn't expect him to. A lot of people maybe not didn't come out and vote because they thought, you know, Clinton's got it. Also, Hillary Clinton is the candidate. It was an awful, awful Democratic nomination for president. And I, and I hate to say it, but she was never going to win that. And I know she may have won the popular vote, but she was never going to win against a Trump who basically took her apart. And all the voters saw was Trump versus Clinton, and they rather Trump. And you know, I completely agree with you. But I would say that's down to, again, this is the same thing. Hillary had too much baggage. She had too much there that could be ripped apart by Trump. You know, whether, first of all, I think horrible that it is that being a woman, and especially that, you know, is married to Bill Clinton with the amount of accusations that go on there, you know, she got a lot of people, again, you know, having the first black uh, African-American president and then having the first woman president, there's too much changing there for a lot of people in America. Again, awful that they won't accept that, but we've got to accept what reality is at this point. Too much changed on the first thing. Second of all, you know, she was a kind of a terrible candidate in terms of that 
you know what what she's she's a lot of her baggage in terms of if you want to say with uh, her dealings with the FBI um you know and you know with unfortunately her getting a bit ill on the journey you know there were so many things that Trump could just go that's bad that's bad that's bad that's bad and then you know there's a lot of her policies that you know didn't quite even when she had good policies Trump was still ripping them apart and just because he can say whatever he wants. Now you just got literally the most bland man in America, which is just you know, kind of old, white, <laughs> a Democrat, you know, who's actually been in thing. There's almost like nothing you can go. Like, well, there's nothing exceptional about him, but there's nothing that Trump can attack. You, you look at all his tweets. They aren't attacking Biden because there's nothing to. Because people are actually kind of like, you, you're not going to attack him because he's white. You're not going to attack him because he's a man, because then you're losing your voters at that point. And what else is there? nothing <laughs> so so you, you can't trump can't do what he feels safe with and what he's used which is go on the offensive he is trying to go on the offensive with black lives matter and antifa that's what he's trying to do that's why he's trying to use his offensive side but he can't do it against biden because there's nothing there to go it, it's almost because he's so dull and so boring it almost in a weird thing defeats trump and look maybe this tactic won't work but it's a complete opposite hell mary throw than what you had with hillary clinton which was just a lot of change, but a lot of baggage. And I feel you would have gone kind of the same thing. Like, let's say you had Kamala Harris, unfortunately being African-American and half Indian as well. You know, they're already asking the question, where did her birth certificate come from? I mean, come on. Like, yeah, it's the same tactic again, but this is the problem. You know, Trump can throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Biden's so boring, nothing sticks. Okay, Max, you mentioned BLM. I kind of want to run with that. What impact do you think BLM and the subsequent... And the subsequent, I suppose, civil discourse that's, that's that's erupted out of that. How has that affected the election 2020? Uh, Abby, let's go with you first. It's definitely monumental, um, exceptionally so. I think before the awful murder of George Floyd and I guess the surge of Black Lives Matter protests in America and across the world, I was convinced that Trump would win again. I thought he definitely have it, had it. Having been, I guess, somewhat naive back in 2016, I thought maybe Clinton might just nip it and might get in over Trump. I didn't want to make the same mistake again. I thought Trump definitely had it. He was in for another four years. But now I think it's an entirely different picture. I don't see how people can justify voting for Trump, a leader who has done has seemingly done nothing to support Black Lives Matter or to take any action against the horrible discrimination that we see all across America. I think I just don't see how people can vote for him and then justify voting for him on that basis. So I just want to pass this one over to you to get a conservative opinion. Obviously, both the election and the debate around BLM is tearing America apart at the moment. From a British conservative point of view, how do you view the importance of BLM and the 2020 election? So I think this is a really interesting topic. I think that it should, as Abby says, give the Democrats a leg up against Trump, because obviously he is the correct candidate to vote for in terms of progressing minorities in the US. However, I fear that this won't happen, and I fear this for two reasons. Actually, a lot of minorities who are Republican think Trump is the right person. We've seen at the Republican conventions that there's been massive black civil rights activists from the 1970s onwards that have been saying that Trump is the right person to vote for. So it all depends on who you look at as to who you think is actually going to vote. Second thing is that you've got to go out and vote. You can go and protest, you can go and be, you know, all for BLM, 
but you have to go and vote and you have to write, vote the right way and I'm worried that they won't go and do that and won't go and vote for Biden. I I kind of want to build on Fletcher's scepticism here, maybe from a different angle. I, I think that the Black Lives Matter movement is really going to help Trump because there's one thing that the right in America, the Republican have an advantage over is hundreds of blogs. And, you know, you look at the five most read Facebook pages in America, all of them belong to uh, the Republican Party, uh, supporters of the Republican Party. And they pump out so much fake news. And it, because they're blogs, they really don't actually have that much accountability. They can throw out whatever they want and whatever angle that they have to take it. And they'll use this. Like, for example, there was um, a Twitter uh, page that was created that said it was with Antifa. And it wanted to pay $20 an hour to people to come and just basically cause destruction. Now, it turns out it was actually a fascist organization who set the account uh, to basically um, throw mud at uh, Antifa and make them look like a really over-violent group. But, you know, uh, taking that, which is such fake news and completely wrong, was spread like wildfire across Facebook on the Republican pages. There's another example, and I can't exactly remember where it is. I think it was Ohio where, you know, um, there was lots of, like, praise to a load of, like, you know, NRA members who went defending shops from Black Lives Matter protesters because, you know, they thought it would turn into riots. And actually, no, you look on the flip side, you know, even the police had to come out and say, no, we're, we're not endorsing this. There's no, there's no violence here in the Black Lives Matter movement. It's actually NRA who are coming to cause problems, destruction, and are attacking uh, and upsetting owners. You know, o- shop owners are asking them to leave and the NRA to leave, and they're refusing. And you're seeing how they, they twist stories to their advantage. This is actually kind of a bad thing as they're, they're manipulating it in such a horrible way. Um, that pe- and I don't know why people just believe whatever they see on Facebook these days, a lot in the older generations. But, they're, you know, the, they're, it's being twisted and manipulated the way that the right wants it to be seen. And the problem is too many people are seeing this and believing it. And I, I think that's it's almost that's why Trump's running with this message of, yeah, let's go, you know, law and order attack. Because a lot of people think it's a good thing. They don't know the story. It's the story's been changed and manipulated from what what you would see in the Guardian, Times or even BBC or wherever. The whole story's been changed. So I worry. I worry. Okay. Let's... Sorry. No, um, no, I was just going to say, it's definitely a good point, Max. I think maybe I'm going to play devil's advocate a bit here and say, you know, we all know that America, a lot of it is, is extremely racist. There's so much racism in the country and you only have to Google Black Lives Matter protests to see that. But I do think will an election between two old white males, will racism really come into it that much? Because it is... You, you talked about change earlier, Max. There is no change there. It is kind of what they've had for the whole of America's history. Um, and I don't know if maybe Black Lives Matter won't be as monumental as we've just said it will be. I'm, I don't know. I'm maybe now changing my mind. I'm not sure <laughs> if it will I, have that much of an impact. I, th- I think that's a really good point. The only thing I'd say is that um, in, in the slide, let's say this, I hate to say it, but in like a, a race war, let's put that. I'm lo- literally really like, there, there is like a battle between African American, you know, rights and uh, white extremists. Who are the white extremists voting for? Republicans. Who are the African Americans usually voting for? Democrats. And, you know, Biden will always bat, especially, you know, have, being VP to Obama and having his VP as Kamala Harris. 
I, I think it does play a little bit more. Even if, you know, Biden, you know, isn't that exciting, just having an African-American potential VP, Kamala Harris, who I think is fantastic, by the way, um, just that naturally puts, you know, it splits the field. Even if he doesn't want to go with any of the policies uh, that maybe the Black Lives Matter movement is wants or is trying, like, you know, abolish the police and stuff like that, even if he doesn't embrace that, to say they're not picking sides on Black Lives Matter is, you know, come on, we know what sides they're taking, especially with Trump, you know. <laughs> we know what side, we know very clearly what t- side Trump's taking. So even if Biden's not being really bland and not trying to take much movement out of this, Trump is. That's the, Trump's chosen his side, and that's the side that a lot of white Americans will be on. But Max, isn't that the problem? So I think Abby's come up with a great point that actually, clearly things need to change, and they need to change for the better. So therefore, why is our people asking to be voting for if they believe in Black Lives Matter? If they believe in minorities getting more rights, why are they even considering Trump? And maybe that's because Biden needs to be strong on it. He needs to come out and say that the, the problems, he needs to address the problems. And maybe, maybe he doesn't win if he does that. Maybe it's a really bad tactic because of so many racists in America that wouldn't vote for him. But if he came out and did that and he sided with them, we would see global support towards Biden. You would see so much more enthusiasm towards his campaign to say, actually, this is a white man. Yes, he has a, he has a black VP, but he actually, if you put the two next to each other, I want to vote for him because he's going to do more for minority rights. Well, well Fletch, you've got to ask yourself this question. Okay, does Biden, because obviously Biden supports Black Lives Matter. That's, a, that's just, I think that's, a, that's obviously. A bit, obviously, but here's the difference. Does he come out with abolish the police? Does he come out with, let's be honest, Black, Black Lives Matter, the actual movement group, is quite controversial in, in terms of what it is. You know, it is very, it is a Marxist, Marxist organisation. It doesn't quite believe in, you know, uh, it's, you know, it's questions of how it wants to reform communities and says that it doesn't like having two parents is kind of interesting. That's yeah. the type of policies I'm saying. That is huge radical change. Now, yeah, Biden has come out and supported Black Lives Matter. But if you're, he's embracing whether or not, you know, some of those deeper founded, um, I, there are, I'm not saying he doesn't like, maybe like try and break up gated communities or you know try and do more to fight systemic racism of course he's going to do that and i think it's fantastic but it's some of these really extreme policies like abolish the police or i think it's uh, reform the police as most of us over here but in america there is a lot of it's it's huge radical change that yeah i i agree with but what what policies are we saying here that's the what what policies does he take from black lives matter and is it even too extreme for him you know, I, I think, you know, that's a, that's a question. He doesn't have to. I don't think he has to completely endorse everything they say. But especially, you say, yes, he's going to fight against institutional racism. Brilliant. That's what we want. They're the sorts of changes. But I think he needs to come out and I think he needs to be bluntly honest with the American people about the problems. Because I think there's so many people out there that still don't understand it. And he has got a platform of which to do so, being a presidential candidate, to go ahead and educate people his campaign trail and actually that's how you change their minds so i think he has he, a platform i think he's i think he's done that it's just he's not embracing the policies you know he has he's at marches 
at Black Lives Matter marches. He's, you know, he's got Kamala Harris as his VP. He is, say- it's not like he's not saying it. He is supporting the movement. It's just the policies, I don't think, because there are the occasional policies that if he then adopts, like, oh, I'm going to abolish the police, that's very controversial and will be so easy for Trump to attack. So it's not, I, I, I think he is, you know, I, you, I think... It, I think he is quite a lot, you know, backing the Black Lives Matter protest. I just don't think he's doing it in terms of too many policies, because I think that's where Trump, if, if as long as he's not like endorsing, oh, abolish. And I, I think it's already actually become a bit of a, you know, that's what Trump's already trying to do is try and attack Joe Biden wants chaos because he is supporting the Black Lives Matter. You know, there's been a couple of like that. But I think that's what I'm saying is that they're, they're, he's still supporting Black Lives Matter. I think, that, you know, you see him at protests. But he's split himself ever so slightly with uh, with not adopting all their policies, which I think, uh, especially if you look into Black Lives Matter, the actual group itself is actually quite a good idea because they do have some kind even even for me, I kind of look at it as like, you know, get it, getting rid of two parent families yeah. and just basically becoming a community. Is, that's quite interesting. That's quite that is extreme no matter what you say um yeah. so i think that's kind of better maybe separating policy on paper but is still supporting them in person which i think he's doing i, I kind of i get that if that makes sense it's oh sorry. i was just gonna pass it over to you Abby, and just say i think this brings it back to the idea of should it be policy or person I yeah i was just gonna say that, is that not Joe Biden playing an easy game again. He's, you know, publicly supporting Black Lives Matter, and I have no doubt that he's against racism and discrimination. But he's also repeatedly condemned like the rioting, and he said that he opposes defunding, like defunding the police. So he's kind of split himself between, I guess, his personal beliefs and politics. He's trying to maybe please everyone, and I don't think that's going to get him anywhere. He needs to be targeting these swing states, like you said earlier. Um, yeah, maybe, I don't know. He needs to kind of make it a bit clearer on I the th- face of it for what he stands for. I think that's quite good. I think because I wouldn't say it's pleasing everyone. I just say it's pleasing the middle. It's, I'm, it's almost taking a middle ground approach here. And I think that's what you need for the swing. I, look, that I feel now, just saying that, it means we're going into a debate about first past the post and how the electoral college system works. But that's i think actually what he's trying to do he's thinking because hillary clinton made a major mistake thinking that she won the election and she went off looking at far right republic she even went she was looking a bit more at texas and stuff like that which texas could flip this year be interesting to see um you know biden's looking at these swing states really keenly and i think take uh, i think taking that kind of not pleasing everybody but I think trying to keep that middle road approach, especially whether or not he wants to be splitting the Democrats, whether or not he wants to be giving out ammunition to Trump to come get attacked, um, I, I think is sensible. As whole, it, it, it's look, it's boring, it's uninteresting, and it actually doesn't make much change. I agree. But four years time, we can do that when we have another Republican candidate. Hopefully, we will get like a McCain esque candidate coming through again. Four years time will be different. This is, I think, we have to beat Trump. And let's get him out of the way so then we can move forward. Otherwise, we've got four years of going backwards. Okay, just to, just to come in here, let's play with that a little bit. It's well known that two party systems are incredibly antagonistic. We have it here in this country, it's even more so in America. So, Fletcher, do you think this whole debate is indicative of a larger problem, namely the two party system in America? And how would a change of system impact things? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, I replied to the article that we wrote on, on POI that Daniel wrote for this. And I, I said this, we can't expect anything different when we just focus on two parties. We have this in the UK, but like you say, in the US, it is 10 times worse. And we can't afford to have that in a system. It just alienates the two parties because what happens if you don't agree with the person, but you agree with the side? Do you vote against them or do you vote with them or do you not vote at all? Is that better or worse? In the UK, we have the same. If you're a liberal, but your area is majorly conservative, do mm -hmm. I vote for Labour in order to try and get the conservatives out or do I just not vote? Or do I vote so for Labour? So what change would you wish to see? Would you look to this is a major global issue and it needs to be eradicated and changed throughout. So there's a lot of debate over this and I don't know yet what the perfect one would be. I think it, there needs to be a merge, there needs to be a lot of bit, uh, conversations. There's something like AV+, plus, where it actually mixes AV, which is a more pro proportional system, with first-past-the-post. I don't think the vote on AV before was, was good enough because AV doesn't work. AV+, plus, however, which was actually recommended by a Labour MP, uh, Lord Jenkins, oh no, sorry, Lord, sorry, Lord Jenkins um, in in the 1990s, I think that should be implemented. Something that actually gets the best of both worlds, where it's more proportional, and it, so it allows people to actually truly vote for who they want to vote for, and doesn't just create this kind of system of one versus the other, because there's more than two parties. But okay, Abby, how would you still, view that you kind of more proportional system from a Labour point of view? To, for to yeah, I see done. where Fletcher's coming from, definitely. I, you know, There's undoubtedly a problem with two-party systems across the globe in America, in the UK, you know, in America, even before Trump was in the picture, I don't, I think people overlooked or maybe just didn't pay attention to policy. And it was all about the candidates, Democrats versus Republicans. And it, it's a competition. It's not about the policy standpoints of each party. And that is quite a worrying thought. And it's the same in the UK. You know, I mentioned earlier last year's general election. I was asked so many times if I was voting for Boris or Jeremy and it wasn't I wasn't voting for Jeremy Corbyn when I voted Labour I was voting for the party and their policies but you know people were just voting for Jeremy and that's worrying um but then there is the question of what would be a better option so I live in Wales I'm sure you can hear a little bit um but we use AMS to elect our assembly members and that works well because very small country um not too many people to elect it just it works for the size of the population but for the whole of the UK would is there anything better than first past the post I'm I'm not sure if there's anything that we have at the moment maybe there's something that could be created but I don't know if it exists yet and then the same goes for America you know again a much bigger country and a federal system how would how could you implement a different voting system I, I just sadly don't feel like it would work it's worrying at the moment how it is, but I'm not sure what the best way forward would be or if change would maybe like disencourage people to vote. Mm. I just don't know if there's a better option. Okay, fascinating. And just probably one last topic before, before we round things can I, up. Can I, can I add actually something very yeah. quickly? Um, I, I kind of want to share Abby's sentiment there. And I've had this discussion with Fetch many a time outside of the podcast about, you know, proportional system on... Um, in the UK. And I've actually kind of started changing my mind on it. Um, so I, I think you'll be happy to say that I'm, I'm, I'm on the side at the moment. But I agree a lot with what Abby says there. You know, it's 
on the electoral on the electoral college side, I don't think that could ever be replaced. I think it's a broken system, but I don't think it could ever be replaced. Every state needs to have their mention. You've only got one guy in the White House. It needs to be one guy in the White House. If you started getting three or four, they might not hit 270, and then chaos kind of ensues because they have to get 270. And, that, and that's kind of this big problem that uh, I don't think states, I don't think people, I don't even think you'd be able to get past the Constitution to try and change the Electoral College. I just, even if you wanted to, even if you had a brilliant way, I just could never see it changing. And I, I think it'd be too difficult to even come up with anything else. Just if we're focused on the presidential Electoral College side, I think it's all virtually impossible. So I, I just want to sort of apply to that quickly. So I agree. I think the Constitution would really stop it in America, and I don't know how you get around that. But it doesn't mean we can't start to try. It doesn't mean that when they first wrote the Constitution, they probably thought, oh, no one's going to get past this. But we have got past many issues that we've changed through amendments and stuff. So we can't say never. But also, we need to... I think I was, was a massive advocate for first past the post and for systems like the electoral colleges and, and things that gave you a stable government. However, I kind of missed the point. When I thought about it, I thought that you'd end up having all these third parties that sort of maybe are liberals or greens, these kind of ones. And I forgot that actually the main parties would split themselves. And actually a centre-left and a centre-right party could quite easily come together to form a coalition and it would work. Because actually there's not, they actually overlap a little bit. So I just wanted to sort of mention that I think when we think about it, and because I did when I was younger, I just thought, Oh no! It'd be like the current system, but there'd be a couple. That, of that might work in the UK, Fletch. As, as I said, you know, Actually, in, the main in America's split, so different. This work. is remember American focused. In the UK, as I said, I'm changing my mind, and I actually kind of agree with you to a certain extent. But this is America we're talking about. This is this is not Britain. Yeah. They they don't overlap anymore. You know, the whole system actually. The American system only works when there's overlap between parties. That's why they've had so many government shutdowns yeah. recently. Now they don't. And maybe the Democrats split, but on, then you're looking at just a pure Republican Party dominating 50% and the Democrats splitting two, yeah, which I, I definitely I, don't want. I, I just, it can't, it, it's so polarised. Even if you went with a proportional system, I bet it would be exactly the same result. Yeah. It would be Republicans and Democrats because it's that, that's that split. Yeah, I think you're right. I mm. actually think I think you are right, because I think the Constitution, yeah, I thought that was in the way, but you are. It's the polarised nature of it. It's not to do with the party. I think I'm stuck in the... I'm thinking about when they're a bit closer, when some of them overlap, but actually you're probably right with Trump and with Biden, or even if it was Trump and Biden. I, I think we always forget, it's, and it's, it's a lot of people go, oh, why would you vote for Trump as a Republican? Why? You're sensible. It's because it's, it's Republican versus Democrat. People vote Republican because it's Republican. It doesn't matter. It could be Satan himself at the head of the Republican Party, which arguably it is, um, you know that. But you know, you still vote for him. You still you stick with your heart. You stick with the Republicans. And it's the same on the Democrat side. It's sure, like you know, I think in this country, if you know, if I thought more, oh, I might go liberal. I might I might go Labour. I might go Conservative. People, go, oh, that's interesting choice. You're allowed to change. Yeah, yeah, you're not allowed in America. It's it's too it's too split now. I think I think a major political shift would have to happen. Okay, just, just before we round up, I just want to pick all of your brains on specific policies. So let's say Biden wins, you know, a big assumption, but let's make that assumption. And he publishes a manifesto in the new year. 
what big policies would you like to see on that manifesto going forward? Let's start with Abby, then go Max, then go Fletcher. Um, so I would want to see some support for Medicaid uh, for all on some level, maybe continuing a lot of the work that Obama did, maybe the foundations that he put in place. And I think the first, if Biden does get in the first year or two, will be getting rid of any kind of remnants of Trump and getting rid of his policies. Um, but yeah, Medicare is definitely one of them. You know, we have, I know there's so many problems with the NHS in the UK, but compared to America, it's a miracle, essentially. Um, also, some sort of gun reform, you know, that can't be overlooked um, with a Democratic presidency. And the climate emergency is definitely something that they need to focus on. You know, this is a real issue. There's so many debates going on around the world, but no one's actually doing anything actively to help it. And, you know, a country as, pow as powerful as America, they need to be focusing on the climate emergency and really kind of leading the fight against it and just doing something, anything to help and try and, you know, overcome it, I guess. Okay, and Matt? I think America's greatest strength is it likes to view itself as a one-class system. Like, you know, there is no working, middle, upper class. That's happening at the moment in America so drastically. You know, there is now a working class. The middle class, I say, is dying. And I'd say there is definitely, you know, almost a royalty in America at the moment now. I think that drastically has to be fixed. I think, you know, families that are working on minimum wage just can't survive. I think they need desperate help. I think, you know, wages need to go up um, and I think they need help. And I'd almost say taxes could possibly go down. But where that needs to come in is actually now focusing on billionaires, because I, it's actually shocking to me that, you know, people who are earning over a million pounds a year aren't pay, will not pay their fair share. I think this just has to be stopped at this point, because... No, I don't care where you are in the, you know, even if you're starting to go in the top five, if you're in the top 5%, you're still struggling. You know, you still are struggling. It's that 0.5% who just are ridiculous amounts of money. Whether or not if you're on 80 grand a year now, you're starting to struggle. And, you know, if you're at 20 grand, you're starting, everyone's struggling. It's becoming one. Everyone, if you're outside the 99.5%, everyone is struggling so much more, whether it's houses, rent, you know, you're renting houses, whether luxury, like you want to go and buy something, you know, you go to Tiffany's, let's say you want to go and treat, you know, let's say you want to get yourself, you're, you're getting an engagement ring, let's say, the prices have gone up like 20 times for the same ring, because it's the top 5% will could buy like eight of them. And better than a couple of people buying one or two. And this is the problem. It's the wealth inequality so vast now all the people who suffer are the bottom 99.5 percent and the 0.5 are just with money they don't need i don't care if you're bill gates bill gates donates three percent of his wages a year that's it it's nothing so you know whether it's a wealth tax needs to be introduced i don't know but something you know a wealth tax would be a really good idea actually something to try and fight that wage inequality i feel like i'm joining labor happy as i say that <laughs> yeah no i completely agree with your point so yeah you're very welcome at labor Okay, and Fletcher, just to round things off, what policies would you like to see on a Biden manifesto? Well, first of all, we get a good trade deal after Brexit mm -hmm. with the UK, to be honest. But uh, other than that, I think he's got a big problem with the race, and I think he's got to deal with this. Um, and he's got to deal with it now and at the start of his term, if he was to win, because then he's got four years till the next election. And, and he's got to do something with the police. He has to change the institutional racism and the justice system in the US which means it's unfairly stacked up against minorities. 
Okay, fantastic. So that's all from us this week at POI Podcasts. I hope you enjoyed the debate and found an interesting perspective on all things election 2020. I've been your host, Alexander Dennis, and I've been joined by Abby, Max and Fletcher. We'll see you next week.